0: Welcome back to Cast Me To Hell with me, Seb. And me, Robbie. And this week we will be returning to our Divisive Films feature with Robert Eggers' The Lighthouse from 2019.
1: Um, so if you listen to the first uh, Divisive Films uh, feature that we did, we looked at Ari Aster's uh, *Midsummer*. Uh, We kind of took a bit of a deep dive into it, spoke a little bit about the production, spoke about what we liked about it, what we didn't like about it, and kind of why it was such a divisive film. Um, I don't know if you find this said, but a lot of these kind of divisive films do seem to be these, for the most part, do seem to be these A24 productions, don't they? They do, yeah. Um,
0: Uh, A lot of the A24 films are obviously... They are slightly defying some expectation between what is and what isn't maybe in terms of horror. So I'd say this one, although this is not as divisive a film as uh, Midsummer. Yeah, definitely. um, From a viewing point, but also from a, if you look, there is a fair amount of audience out there that did just enjoy it. And there's a fair amount of critics that also did enjoy it. There's not as much with Midsummer where there just seemed to be a complete split. Yeah. But this is one where it's, divisive in terms of that the horror fans expecting to see their standard horror where maybe that monster's going to come at some point or something like that's going to happen for those fans there's still a fair amount out there that were like this was they told me this was a horror film this is not a horror film yeah and i would say more so than with midsummer that this is much more of a case where i could i was myself questioning is this a horror film mm-hmm. like is it a horror film it's it's suspenseful and tense and it's a slow build. Um and it does have some kind of imagery like that is like haunting a little bit. Yeah. But I wouldn't say this ever goes into like a terrifying, creepy, like it didn't get into my head quite as much. I do really like the film, but I it was it was one of those where I figured I would put this this is one where, where we were talking the other day but it's hard because horror does get pigeonholed and this is why it's divisive because for those people that pigeonhole it into just a slasher or just a supernatural yeah. but a supernatural where it has to go bang and boom and you see the monster yeah this is where that. horror kind of becomes a bit of a annoying like some people do try to box it in yeah I and think, i think i would say that this has got horror elements in a way it's not a full-on horror you wouldn't classify that i don't think robert eggers classifies this as a full-on horror.
1: no i for, i think i it, it very much reminded me just kind of off my initial impressions of it it very much reminded me of um uh stanley Kubrick's the shining yeah it was it in a horror. it was horror in that kind of aspect you know it, it's not particularly loads of uh jump scares it's not particularly you know gruesome for the most part it's It's very much about the characters and and it's about the themes of the isolation and yeah it's it's that kind of I situation. felt that like there were
0: several scenes in this film where I felt I could feel that shining um like that shining influence I think feels like it was there. There were a couple of shots that I was like that's very like that's very shining kind of isolation yeah. Uh, obviously, so it is that kind of, it's that slow build horror that has that kind of isolation element, just like kind of the shine and the shine definitely is the most I could kind of classify it in. Um, and with the a 24 thing, it's a case of, they're very much a company that is, so this is when you kind of go into my kind of film studies kind of way of like, um, this is like French new wave a 24 is like that. Like where Incomes, French New Wave was like, it was a bunch of directors given free reign to do what they wanted to do. Yeah. No one's getting in their way. No one's saying, oh, this isn't going to be right for the commercial element. This isn't going to be right for that. It was directors, auteurs who had their own vision and got to do what they wanted to do. And I think A24 is pretty much as a company is letting directors do that, it's letting yeah. them do what they want.
1: Yeah. I think that's one positive thing to say about A24 is they don't seem to look so much at the commercial aspect, it doesn't look as if that they they're not, uh they're not something similar to Bloomhouse or something like that, where they're looking to almost establish franchises, you know, yeah. they're not Lionsgate or something like that. So it I mean, obviously, a lot of these are relatively lower budget. Um, so the budget for the lighthouse was around 11 million, and the yeah. box office was kind of around 18 million. Um, And it it seems to me as if A24 are more focused about releasing standalone films, not so much concerned about the box office. I mean, if there was a massive flop, I wonder whether they would be curious to work, continue to work with somebody. But they they seem to be more looking at isolated films. And like you said, allowing these directors to have their own say and not so much studio interference when you're trying to think of... You know, making profits and building franchises. So the the one thing I do really like about A twenty four is that I mean, sometimes I find I find the films are hit and miss. Yeah, but
0: it's better. This is what I mean, though. It's very much that. So like like my comparison was kind of with that French New Wave was purely because it was a case of yeah, and out of that we got some masterpieces of film that were kind of French New Wave. But as a standard viewer, if you watch a lot of them, they're just ones that have. Pointless tangents and random scenes, just half the time to be different and trying to be obscure. And A twenty four, some of the films also have that, where they're trying to be different, they're trying to be obscure, yeah. and sometimes they don't quite always work. And that's that's what you get when you let a filmmaker have free room. Yeah. they're either really good at it, or they could they have some good elements, but they just don't work. Yeah, completely. Um, um, and I think that's like. But I wouldn't necessarily compare it to, to this The Lighthouse and as you said about the boxovers I mean to be honest 18 million on eleven million a bullet isn't actually very if anything that's not making money.
1: That's not making money. The film's though. not
0: making like there's a you know, we've talked about the freefold where nearly... Now, I would assume A24 does not spend that much on... Um, marketing. marketing. Yeah, So would it's assume. probably less. So that like money thing that I mentioned before, where it's like the budget times by three would normally be where you're making profit. Yeah. Uh, that wouldn't necessarily apply to a film where you're not doing as much, because sometimes on a lot of films, they'll spend as much on marketing as they will on the film itself. Yeah, definitely. A24, I, mean- I would not believe do that at all
1: star wars and mcu films definitely oh yeah they do that
0: all the time and so do quite a lot of ones you know i mean like uh, halloween kills coming out soon you've seen a lot of promotional for that because it made a lot of money the first one yes they're gonna they're gonna push it more yeah but these films not so much so i think yeah i'd imagine that it pretty much just kind of did about what they expected maybe wanted a bit more but there are certain elements of this of why people might have been a bit hmm Uh, I think Robert Patterson would have been part of that. Really? He was at a a point when he'd done a lot of indie films, but he wasn't, like, people didn't buy, still, this film kind of has helped cement him, this and him getting in the Christopher Nolan Tennant film. Yeah, well. It's kind of cemented him more as, and this was the film that was released before he was announced as the new Batman or anything like this. And they said that, like, and there was a lot of response to this is why he was, like, cast. Is yeah. that because they saw how like his his performance in this film and were like he could probably do this. And in some of his recent indie films, he's been he's gone right under the radar for the last few years. But the general public don't really necessarily see him as a well still, not yet. Anyway. I
1: think Twilight was kind of that albatross around his neck, wasn't it?
0: It was. Um yeah.
1: to kind of use a nautical saying for a nautical <laughs> episode. Um because obviously, you know, I think Twilight is where ninety percent of the people know or knew him from, yeah. kind of found him, and that was—I mean, Twilight itself was a massively divisive series, wasn't it? You know, oh yeah,
0: yeah, it's they're 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 fine for the fan base. Basically, it was a fan it was a fan base film franchise, but it made a lot of money. To be fair, but that's it. That's all you, <laughs> you mean, know, it made a ton of money, um, but yeah. So um, I think you know there there are some elements, and as you can say, like unlike say Midsummer. And the divisive nature, I think, again, coming back to that, is the divisive nature with Hereditary and Midsummer. I would say that the trailers and publicity for those films didn't necessarily sell them as the film that they were. Yeah. And that creates its own divisive nature because Hereditary, especially, I remember watching the trailer for that and thinking oh i don't know like i'm not really interested by this i'm not interested by the supernatural nature of it i've said i'd like i think it it, i think it's it's yeah you know it's it's a it's a good film but it's not amazing as people sell it to me i don't think but I also remember watching the trailer and being like, I've got no interest in watching that because it just looks like your standard slocky supernatural. Like it's got a good cast, but it's not doesn't look anything great. I don't remember
1: the trailer for I remember the trailer for Midsummer and I actually remember wanting to kind of see it. Um but the one thing I I remember in the trailer for Midsummer that the the Oracle or whatever it was. You oh, know yeah, it was in a, was very heavily featured yeah. and then rarely featured in the film and it kind of got me thinking then. I don't know if it, I don't know if this is just my interpretation of it, but Ariaster, he had the the girl in the first one. I can't remember the actress's name. Um, the, oh, the one who did all the clicking noises. Oh yeah, yeah. And she, you know, she's got some kind of physical condition. And then you had the Oracle, which has some kind of physical condition as well. Oh, yeah. And it kind of made me feel like it's Ariaster just using these people to kind of yeah
0: sell that as s- a thing. Sell, you know. And then that oracles barely even barely enough. features at all like it's just a quick shot but again that's again that's selling into the standard horror tropes of like hereditary was so much more of that kind of creepy ghost from out of nowhere kind of yeah. thing the second one was for was more of that kind of yes a bit wicker man but also a bit like there's a monster here to come and get you kind of thing yeah which is not what the film was at all Lighthouse. There was pretty much no way to sell it any other way. So the people that weren't going to be interested in that kind of different slow build film were never going to go and see this. Film. No, this is a artsy, tart. It's it's for that audience, and I'd like to think some people have gone out of their way to be like, oh, I don't think I'm going to enjoy this, but I'm going to give it a go. Yeah, and that's definitely what people should do if you haven't seen this film, because um, it's definitely worth it. But you need to be ready to kind of get into it. Yeah. you've got to give that first like half an hour or so some time to build it in for you me, for, kind
1: of I, I mean for me i loved it from the opening shot it's so weird i yeah. that this cuz i know we had a little chat before we press play um but this film really like the light in the lighthouse it did really fucking draw me in i mean straight from the opening we we had the um you kind of get the the opening credits which are very bleak and is very minimalist in itself. Yeah, and you get the the blaring of the siren, and I was thinking, okay, I'm kind of into this.
0: Yeah, I liked the blaring, of the, the blaring of the siren. So there's a fairly fit. So I I only watched this last night. Well, okay. No, I didn't. I watched this this morning because last night <laughs> I was gonna watch it. Yeah, uh, I was gonna watch it, and I watched it at, at the middle of like. And i was like oh i'm gonna go to i'm gonna go to bed and i'm gonna watch this and i literally i don't think i've ever fallen asleep so quickly and this isn't because of the film i don't know why i just suddenly well, you are by yeah. the time i would kind of sorted it i was like oh yeah i've not been feeling well this <laughs> week so by the time i started playing it all i got was that because it kind of fades into light it takes a, like a minute yeah. or so to fade into that light and then you get the siren sound in the background and i basically went to sleep and like j- like the siren sound it was like I remember hearing that and then I swear to God, all throughout the night, I swear I was hearing a siren sound in my head because I literally kept going, what the fuck is that noise? And then when I played the film again, I was like, that's the noise. That's I was hearing was, I was hearing it. It got in my head all night long. Yeah. This siren sound was playing. It might have been because the phone just kept... maybe I didn't pause it. Maybe the phone <laughs> probably did. But I just I've got William Dafoe just screeching in my ear. All <laughs> long, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that really did like the siren sound and that that score. Really, kind of creates that kind of isolate. It like, not the isolation, but it an e- uneasiness, uneasiness straight away. Because you were it. like, this, this kind of gets into my head after a couple of minutes. What would it be like if I'm hearing that literally, mil- like thousands of times a day, all day long, yeah. in a place where I've got no escape? Exactly.
1: And then I think there was the. So I mean, I get this is one of the divisive things straight off the front is. um So Robert Eggers is a, is a very kind of. He, he he's massively into a lot of the old school horrors isn't he um and for me this yeah. felt there was a lot of shots in this that reminded me of kind of 30s 40s universal stuff um the kind of golden age of hollywood as well um so the opening shot you know where um you see the, the helm is it the front of the boat yeah i'm trying to be nautical <laughs> um <laughs> yeah you see that and it's kind of you see it kind of going through the water that was reminded me of a really old shot i've seen in films and you could tell that like production wise when they would have been filming it in the 30s 40s and 50s it would have just been in like a swimming pool or something maybe over it but the whole that just kind of struck me really well and the fact that it's in um you know it's nearly square in a one point 19 to one aspect ratio yeah um, i thought i'd mess that up <laughs> kind of threw me off a little bit because i heard that it was a black and white film and i think that is another device of fingers that people you know hear about robert eggers and they think after the witch they think okay like
0: yeah what's i mean going that that's another little thing for, for for especially if we're talking general audience black and white films some people just well oh, i won't watch it if it's black and white yeah same way people won't. I won't watch it if it's subtitled yeah kind of they won't give it a chance if thing and that is a that is a common general like audience I know quite a few people who are like I know I don't I don't like black and white films like why don't you like black and white films? yeah because it's a black and white film it was like okay yeah but why don't you like the film <laughs> yeah like if I showed you like if I showed you like Forrest Gump in black and white so you're saying it definitely would be a terrible film because suddenly I've changed the color of the film I'm not saying it would work <laughs> you know way. what I mean like I was about to say the Dark Knight, but I was like, you wouldn't be able to see fuck off. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't see anything. <laughs> Black and white. It was that? Yeah, but um, it, but it wasn't yeah. only. It's not only that which is, I think,
1: brings up some yeah. of the divisiveness. But it's also that it's shot like a old style film. So we it is. Yeah, a lot of the shots we get are still shots,
0: and the you don't. We don't get many when we first see um, Pattinson and uh, Defoe from the front. Yeah. Is that, it it's straight away. This is what made me think of my old like new wave cinem of- like thing because that has loads of those static shots yeah. where it stays still for a moment and it lingers on the shot yeah. and it just has them both there it's like robert patterson's like mustaches twitching and for a moment defoe's completely st- i mean he could be like statue like he's yeah. still and Suddenly f- it, cu- it does just before it cuts away he finally kind of does a bit of a move and then looks over yeah. towards the thing that's it but, and he's got his pipe yeah and- he's got the pipe that he's kind of moving around but it's just like that it's like it's like here's our characters these yeah. are our main characters. But, I don't, we don't need to have a moment of them explaining or no, telling you who but, we are. But it's
1: not just that. It's the fact that when they when they get to the island, they they swap over with these two other lighthouse keepers. Mm. And we don't get any dialogue with them. We don't find out anything about them. And we don't get any dialogue for a little
0: bit, do we? For no, we don't ten, get any dialogue. Five, five ten minutes. minutes. Like Even the people that are coming off, if you look at them, they don't necessarily look any different than people going off. Like, no. It's almost like, and you and, could be the same people crossing.
1: And there were some other shots that really were very old, old school for me. So there was the there was one shot where Robert Pattinson is uh, doing the roofs. I'm just going to call them by their names. Robert Pattinson is. Yeah. You know,
0: there was he, a bit of a confusion there. Yeah. Me? Where he, I got confused by the names of the characters and all that kind of thing. Like in my notes, it's literally like, who the hell am I talking about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: and he's going up onto the roof and it's yeah. a very low shot and it's it, it was one that um you know was was very night of the living dead that romero used to use a lot which obviously he would have got from the golden age and from b- films before that yeah but it was also one that tobe hooper used a lot in the texas chainsaw massacre to kind of i don't know what what it is about it but just creates such a sense of dread and when i was watching him climb this ladder and it was just this low shot that yeah. wasn't moving wasn't following him up or anything it was really creepy and there were other moments like when um when defoe is in the in the lighthouse and he's watching Patson from afar yeah it nowadays if that had been a film you would have seen a close-up of you know defoe's character when he was on the lighthouse to show his reaction or to show what he's looking at but the fact that you didn't get any of that. You yeah. just saw him in the background, standing there and watching. It it creates this sense of like menace, which I don't think mm-hmm. we kind of yeah, which is kind of lost in translation. I think as time's gone on, we've forgot about that kind of shot. You know?
0: Yeah. No, I definitely, I definitely got that, and I got this um, definitely from this, and and how it was going. But at that point, I kind of got this kind of the not just Defoe's character, but everything's kind of looming over Robert Pattinson. Yeah. Like everything, he's below everything, like everyone else. He's never that peak, that top, that kind yeah. of thing. And that's more, I'll talk about that more later. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because
1: the, I mean, the, the, the basic plot of the film is that, you know, these, uh, it's set in 1890s, which I didn't, I didn't clock on when I first watched it. I'd got that it was kind of, you know, um, Back in the day.
0: <laughs> back in the, back in the any day. Time back any
1: time back in the day. But it was only when I watched it again and then when I went over it and I kind of, you know, wikipedia it and researched it a little bit that I saw it was 1890s New England. Um, and Ephraim Winslow, which is Robert Patterson's character. Yeah. Badass name. Um, kind of gets a contract job as a wiki, you know, a lighthouse keeper for a month um, under the supervision of Willem Defoe's character, Thomas Wake. And then it's, you, you just i don't i'm trying to describe it but yeah it's so strange isn't it like we get there's so, there's elements that i
0: it is basically like this is the, the thing and i know even i know even robert egger said there's a lack of much plot at all and that's purposeful but there isn't really a major plot because it basically is almost the same set of scenes repeating again and again and again it's, almost yeah it's they are literally <clears throat> robert Patson's character is going about his job as the lowly you know the the lower do down above his duties while uh <clears throat> while william defoe's guards the lighthouse light tower and is in or in the lighthouse tower or watching over him as we've noticed kind of thing and he is the only one that gets to go up there yeah. Patson's character does not get to go above no. he never gets to go up to the lighthouse um, And he is told that he must do his duties. It's not his place to be that 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 man in there. Yeah. Um but then the rest of the scene is pretty much it's Panson's character on on a repeat almost does his jobs. In the evening they have meals. And drink. And drink and things like that. They have a a moment in thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe they have a wank. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of whacking off in this film. There's a lot there? of whacking off. And farting as well. Yeah, there's a well, Defoe's definitely farting all the time, but <laughs> but it but it's kind of, sim, it's it's very similar idea of the fit and that's to create that kind of, their life, it, there's nothing else for them to do. But it's like that repetition and repetition and that's what creates that kind of isolation for them, isn't it? That They yeah. are just repeating day in and again, they're drinking, they're drinking, they're drinking, they're drinking. They're doing this, and this is just going to keep playing and playing and playing, kind of thing, over yeah. and over again, like some kind of horrible purgatory.
1: It's kind of that vibe, isn't
0: it? Yeah. You know? um, and um, the, it, yeah. It, so that's why it's, it's kind of hard to describe that. The, there is obviously lots of events that kind of happen, and I think key parts like that we'll, we'll discuss a kind of thing. But it is a lot of like it's hard to describe certain scenes when it's just a scene of people just like sat there, yeah, or sat doing something or. Robert Pattinson going out by the sea to drop off like layers of shit, yeah, (laughs) throw out shit and things like that, which is one scene that definitely puts him ahead. That was one of those. What the hell? Why the hell did you walk? He walks all the way out to the sea to throw these ladles of shit basically out, and it's like you're throwing them against high winds. What (laughs) do you think's gonna happen? Of course, the shit's gonna come back at (laughs) you, and he like screams because he's done it, and it's like why did you go that far away to get rid of your shit <laughs> I don't we don't
1: want it on the island maybe we a pile of shit.
0: <laughs> well i guess so but come on we're not shit we're not yeah. shitting like that much that you can't just hide a little path somewhere
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's this it's the strangeness of you know the first scene that we get um when they have when they have their meal um, yeah. and uh you know Defoe's character does that toast and he tries to get, um, he tries to get Ephraim to, you know, drink along with him. And he's not having it. We kind of, the film floats between these moments of distrust and you don't really know what's happening and are these characters starting to get on or, you know, what's go? It just, it's just an uneasiness throughout the whole film. It
0: it literally is like, uh, it's like, it's like almost reflecting life of like real like roommates living together. Like it's kind like, of, yeah. it's like two people that don't know each other alone and they're suddenly getting along. Like one person's doing all the tasks. And chores. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one person kind of takes the like more like slightly alpha position. They both have to try and get along. They have to be in the same room at some points in the day. They, yeah. At some points they're going to have to talk to each other. It's like this odd, odd couple kind of situation where they have to kind of get together, but it has, those darker turns obviously yeah with more to it and then you've obviously got one of them that just spends all day in his room (laughs) all the lighthouse whacking off (laughs) yeah and and that's the thing
1: you know i would say for the first you know 30 minutes or so we just see you know we see um robert patterson's character Ephraim winslow kind of just going about his duties he gets you know he keeps getting um like i was gonna say abused but it's not the word. he he keeps you know running into this one-eyed seagull doesn't he oh yeah
0: um
1: and you know um you know defoe's character tells him you know bad
0: luck to kill a seabird <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah um, the curse and yeah you even get of emphasized by like sailors. how he slaps yeah Pattinson across the face and they're both like but you can see that it's almost like um Defoe's character, like in that moment when he says about the seabirds and you don't do it, it's like it's like he suddenly like stops for a moment. He's like reflecting as if there's really bad memories to do with the idea of that curse. Oh, yeah. from the seabirds. And also a little bit of like he then looks down and like looks at his finger almost as if Patterson's character could like, right, you've just hit me, like he like yeah. I guess he could lay like he could proper lay me out right yeah. now. So I'm gonna go into like a kind of like like a dog that knows he's done wrong kind of thing, but also a kind of like there's something in his mind that's obviously playing why that's important.
1: And then he hits him, he's like, cup of coffee. Coffee will sort
0: us." out. Yeah, but But he doesn't make eye contact. He's looking down at the table like, yep, that But going back to that,
1: the relationship between them is very strange. We get like this kind of master and commander relationship. So one of them is dominant and the other one's kind of following the lead and for, yeah. a, for a large part of the film winslow is the one who's getting called a dog and he's having to do all the jobs and stuff like that uh, but there's also i don't know if you picked up on this but there's also like quite a lot of elements of erotica in this
0: <laughs> um i mean there were a couple of points when i thought oh, i don't know if, i don't know whether this film is going to take some kind of odd turn or something yeah like they've that. either
1: got a kill or fuck <laughs> like there's a scene
0: yeah it's just it's just weird i mean there's it's just a, a... I think it's just good. Uh, well, yeah, I kind of got to that point because I was like, they're just there all day, and obviously, it's like, what are they to what are they to do? They're just like built up, so it's all everything is released on each other. Yeah, so it's. Anger or or their their fear from life in moments of like drinking and stuff they like release little details and about themselves so yeah all of these emotions that you would normally go through but have a million different people that you probably see on a daily or places to go or freedom to be yeah is just released on each other again and again and again so it turns into hatred and anger and violence and it's all just released and at time there's a bit of that kind of sexual tension weirdly yeah. like it's like. We're about to like we got like to the park? old, yeah, you know, like they say about the they say that when the uh, the seamen are out at sea, you know, <laughs> yeah, what goes on out there stays. They need some, uh, they need the warm touch of a human, human being. Or something. Maybe. I was like, is this going that place at one point in this film? I'm not sure. It's, uh, and it doesn't. It's, but... I mean, <laughs> but it's kind of hard to,
1: you know, it's kind of hard to talk about it because the like you said the film itself I mean they we're looking at the plot on Wikipedia just to kind of go through it but it's hard to kind of pick out the parts you know we because we get this revelation that um you know um uh it? Uh, Defoe's you know second his old wiki died, died. because he lost yeah. his sanity and that he started believing that there was some power to the light and stuff like that yeah. and
0: I think we get this um, I got that feeling very like very early on I was like I was like we know like I feel like there are certain things with this film with an isolation film, where you know so that's gonna happen is one of them like most likely in my head it was the the lower the Pattinson's character is gonna kill the other one yeah you know you some know, like you know that that's what it's kind of building to so when we get that little drop of the old one died because he had that kind of obsession with the lighthouse there's no way to not take it as is this what we're going to see happen to yeah. Paterson's character? Because he's not getting any access. He's told to stay away from it. It's like... But he
1: also tells him about, you know, he's seeing, um, he's seeing sea monsters and stuff like that. And by the time this has been revealed, um, Patterson has had this... I don't know what I, and that's the thing. I don't know if it's a dream. I don't know what it is. Well, this but it's the, when he walks into the water. You know, beautiful yeah. shot where oh yeah, when he's standing pitch there, black, the
0: mermaid in the distance, and the, the, and, the, the, and the logs, comes, and stuff yeah, like that. yeah and, You know, and he's walking towards
1: the water, and we have the siren blaring again, and yeah, the I logs, mean,
0: you know, it's I think, so weird. Uh, the best way. Of this is like so we get a lot of these sequences where, and I think as a whole film, this film, you could literally take it as almost uh what could kind of get people is and again what could be a slightly divisive thing about it is that by the end i wouldn't necessarily say you know you have no idea what was a what was a hallucination what was a nightmare who was actually telling the truth in certain yes
1: because both of them seem like unreliable and And both of them
0: say things against each other when we've seen one the other person do it but then they say that it wasn't you're like is this person... T- so such as when we have the axe the scene in Defoe's character says that Pattinson destroyed the boat and came after him when we saw Defoe in a very Shining-esque kind of... That yeah. Kind of, that waddling move is what I was like. That's so... That's that, Jack that, That's Yeah, that's Jack Torrance with his axe kind of coming after you. But then he says, and it's like, is it Defoe's character... Uh, When he's come after him with like the axe and stuff and kind of come around, but then he tells Patterson's character that he 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 was the one that did it. He He destroyed the the boat and he chased. And we're then any like I think any horror fans in this kind of is this a twist? Is are we have we just seen the decline of madness of Patterson's character? And is this going to be what it is? Is that we've actually seen everything from quite often we see it much more from Patterson's character anyway. He is more the protagonist here. Yeah, so he's so it is like. It's kind of like, are we seeing it all twisted and actually everything that's been going on? So when Defoe's character says you've been doing no work and you haven't been doing this and you're missing loads of your chores and stuff, is it actually, like, when he writes in his book and says that he deserves severance because he hasn't been, like, working hard with 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 no pay, it is kind of like, so is Defoe's character just being, like, a complete twisted, like, Old maniac sea dog, yeah, or is Patterson's character very quickly the isolation has kind of driven him mad and everything he thinks is happening isn't happening? And I can tell you right now that really there is no answer to this in this film, yeah, (laughs) like it's completely kind of you can kind of interpret it a certain way. Um, i know later on there's like a slight like explanation that i found that i kind of like yeah that kind of sounds about right but we'll,
1: we'll get to that when That's talk about later things.
0: but it's nightmares so our nightmare says so we see the mermaid we see the mermaid sequence we also this is the first in uh, not this one but we get the water sequence and at first that one seems because he wakes up that seems like a nightmare when he first sees that water one because yeah. after he wakes up straight away and he kind of sputters and finally like that yeah so we're like Okay, I guess that was a nightmare sequence. Then. But the other nightmares of past and character, and throughout the film, he constantly gets these kind of nightmares or flashes, or yeah. right, and this kind of plays into this is what kind of plays into that idea of a madness as we kind of go through it is 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 driving him mad kind of thing. Is the whole like we see scenes with again the mermaid pops up a lot. Yeah, the, mermaid's, to uh, the mermaid. The
1: mermaid scrimshaw.
0: Yeah, the, the thing that he finds in the bed with it yeah. very early on. And we have like the uh that we see like the tentacles and crabs crawling and we see the, the water and the rocks but we also get a whole scene where it's kind of all of this is kind of mashed together so it's like we see scenes of his daily chores he's doing his chores but spliced into all of that is shots of mermaids shots of tentacles shots of the water shots of yeah and it's like as if we're saying day by day and it's like again it's all just is this it's really like effective shot that comes in the film when it is just like is this all like him what is this is this just saying that the daily routine is slowly driving him more into believing this insanity of all these weird and yeah we also get in that kind of shot we get this first shot of the back of the real Ephraim so Ephraim who was like yeah he took his friend and it like we see character. him in the water with the logs don't you yeah, like, yeah. and we get Ephraim pops up again like later in the film yeah. as well um, but he's only in a few like shots of the film, but it all kind of drives you to kind of like the Ephraim character it's almost as if patterns characters getting closer behind him, like yeah. approaching him from behind, you... but we don't know who it is. It's like, what's going on? The
1: annoying thing for me is I discovered that because I, um, obviously we've been talking about the film, so it, it turns out that Ephraim Winslow, um, was somebody who died whilst robert patterson's character was on a job yeah. um, and robert patterson's character is really called um tommy howard yeah um that's uh, why i
0: got confused by names yeah i thought he, they were both thomas so i was like i can't call them both thomas so i went with who, their last names yeah and then i was like oh but actually he's referred to as Ephraim, and i was like what <laughs> yes yeah. well i mean i watch you know I, I i watch films with subtitles on anyway
1: and i found it really fantastic to do that but i i paused it briefly um and on Amazon Prime, if you pause there, it tells you um who's in the scene and it yeah. tells you what what the actor's name is and what the character's name is. And it said, um Tommy uh Howard and I was like, Oh, so there's gotta be a twist there. Yeah. So yeah. unfortunately it kind of Amazon spoiled it for me.
0: Well, yeah, um, I had the Thomas Howard thing. Luckily I didn't really think too much into it. Luckily <laughs> I had it don't as Thomas Howard and I somehow I had kept missing whenever it was called Ephraim for the first cubits. I was, I, cause I thought I hadn't heard his name. So I must yeah. have missed it because they don't mention the name very often to be fair.
1: No, we call him lad a lot. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Like so
0: I missed it. So I was like, oh, so it didn't, even though I had it written down that his name was Thomas Howard, yeah, I was like, Nope, I didn't hear Ephraim. So I, that's why I was so confused when I was going back through my notes, going, Who the fuck is, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who the fuck is Ephraim? <laughs> <laughs> and I think. The
1: real tipping point for the film is um, kind of around the halfway mark, and this is where the madness really cranks up, and the characters even start to question it a bit themselves. Um, so just before they go, um, you know, the cistern, uh, whilst Winslow or you know Howard, whatever we're calling him, is going about his duties, he sees a dead gull in there, you know, and it's blooding the water, and the water when he pours it, it comes out, and then yeah. the one-eyed gull is there again and then he brutally kills it man oh yeah, that yeah. was brutal that, that was, was kind of f- brutal I, yeah
0: yeah i didn't I know that. i know seagulls can be assholes but i felt <laughs> yeah. really bad because he'd like smashed that seagull's head against the thing like three times and the seagull was still making noises and then he just
1: carried on yeah
0: they just kept going and the blood splatters across like yeah the, the large is it is it log or was it i can't remember what he's laying against. but anyway we just see the blood continue to like splatter out which is like really quite effective because it starts off with nothing and we get more and more just little bits at a time kind of growing and growing yeah. and growing and it's like and
1: fucking with, hell. And with <laughs> a film like this, I think you kind of expect it to ease back a little bit on that. Yeah, you you know, you expect for maybe to see him killing it, but to see shots of Robertson doing it, yeah. not actually swinging this bird yeah. and killing it. But, but then after that, you know, the wind
0: straight away straight like away straight away directions. you see in the, the the um whatever we call it the wind chime or not wind chime <laughs> not really called, uh, um i can't think of what it's called Thing on the top of the house yeah <laughs> uh, yeah I can't it's wind it's something called. like yeah anyway um we see that literally we see it turn we hear the wind pick up straight away i think what's important about that though that we get to see the whole thing is that we get to see this unleash of like pent-up aggression yeah. Had. And I think it's like although we've been pissed off and annoyed and things like that, we haven't seen as much we of really that seen yet. Because he's, he's still he's holding it in.
1: And he's playing the submissive role.
0: Yeah. He, you know? But he also knows that Defoe is kind of he's at this point, he's in control of he's he's in control of his money. Yeah. And he's said several times about how he struggled to get a job and things like that Yeah, kind of So it is kind of a like a big like unleashing, as well as the fact that we've seen started seeing all these weird things that well, he's seeing.
1: I I forgot to mention before that, um, when because we see these very weird, like things, where you know um, Wins Winslow is going about his day and doing the chores, um, and you know Defoe's character isn't there much. He's either sleeping, and then he's eating, and then he's going for- to the lighthouse. Yeah, because he's, he's
0: the night he's in charge of the night watch, isn't he? Yeah. Light like, of the lighthouse, so I'm and the only one,
1: and yeah, and Ephraim kind of goes up and sees him. when he peers through, he sees the feet of um you know uh defoe character. well this is a really
0: disgusting like it's a it's a pretty gross kind of scene because yeah. it's how you interpret it, what you're seeing yeah because we yeah like you said you have robert patterns enters and he sees the light and he's looking at it above but he gets a drop of something on him yeah and he's like, what the fuck is that <laughs> yeah and then that's followed by the sounds of defoe which sounds like a kind of smacking sound he's beating it <laughs> like he's proper beating it and then we see like the slime of what we assume is i don't know or something yeah. coming down but then we see the tentacle then we see a guys. tentacle of, like or is it the slime of a tentacle like a, yeah. a lovecraftian like monster or something yeah
1: and i was thinking well, and this is one of the points where i was like oh fuck
0: what's going on
1: here? yeah and i was thinking shit man we need to get off this island um but then obviously the day after you know he he unfortunately kills the seagull the winds change on them. Yeah. Um, and then a massive storm starts coming again. And they spend the night getting battered, don't they? As They would because it's they their did. last night. So
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, it's their last night. And you know, when he says, like he says, tomorrow I'm getting off this island. Anytime in any film, a character says, tomorrow I'm getting out of here. Or tomorrow I'm getting off Yeah. This. You know, they're not getting out of there. <laughs> it's, my, it's my last day before retirement. Exactly. <laughs> it is, man. I'll be right back. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, that that's not happening. And, like the drink to be fair drink plays a big role in this yeah and you and this is what i mean when it's kind of like is it like horror is it things like this are we seeing them as more dramatic because like we know with old sea dogs and stuff like that at sea a large amount of them used to go mad they used to have you know at sea they'd go crazy and a lot of that was to do with the drink because yeah they would just constantly drink and then the second they run out of drink they'd all be going cold turkey
1: and they go through alcohol
0: with yeah your, and they yeah. would just go fucking mad at each other or you know also see syphilis and yeah. scurvy <laughs> yeah but you know one of the main ones was the drink and this definitely takes a big role here because they're pretty much down in like hard liquor every night. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like, and stuff that they've just made themselves when they run out. Kind of like yeah, turpentine yeah. and honey, I think. Yeah, and that's what, that. that is class. They're just there <laughs> like, screaming
1: in the middle of like the spiral staircase. And that's like, the weird thing. We get these moments where you can, because, where it's like, because I think it's, you know, um, yeah, I think it's just before that, but when they're drinking, they go between. Especially before the storm, before they know before they are oh, fucked up then. Before <laughs> they, they realise that they're abandoned and that, you know, they're not the relief isn't coming. Yeah. When they drink it's kind of it's all they they share stories and it's about it's yeah. kind of a bonding thing. But when later when we see them drinking, it becomes very like primal almost you know they start dancing and they start like yeah moving around loads and start, and then we'll go from you know naught to 100 be really angry and screaming at each other and then laughing and crying and it's it's yeah it's kind of mental yeah Um, unleashing
0: all of that the frustration just come out in the drink um yeah it, it is with like and it is hard not to at times think of that withdrawal yeah <laughs> i think that they've literally just been going all day and they're fucking grumpy as shit and the second they start drinking like even at the table when they're talking it's not until like they start actually taking like this first they're like cut and then once they start taking a drink it all seems to rev up from there yeah so the drink plays a big role in how Their emotions are playing, which I probably would. What else have they got to do to be fair? What else have they got in life? Not only in that time in like history, but also just in the lighthouse thing, you would literally, you literally got all day long, you'd just either be doing the jobs you got to do, drinking, or whacking it. Yes, that's that's life. (laughs) That's like your three things you can do. So, you know, this is one film where people go, Oh, like they don't really need to show me whacking it all the time. I was like, Well, to be fair, what else are they doing? (laughs) And I
1: think that is one of the the things that comes divisive. Um, because I looked. I research this what i do is i watch the film um and i go in you know knowing as little as possible I've, i might have said this before but i don't tend to watch film trailers because i find that they just give too much away yeah. so i like to go in fresh and i like to just see what happens um and then i'll you know i'll i'll watch the film and then i'll do some research about what was going on and how it was received and a lot of people that i found said that they quite similar to me they found this film amazing and they were really enchanted by it and they took friends to see it and the friends just were either really indifferent to it or really,
0: really sorry
1: <laughs> we're drinking this tea that tastes like chicken soup aren't because <laughs> the, the milk was off um but they you know they have these moments of um they just didn't like the film yeah and and i think some of it is because it's it is it's a very weird film i get some some people could say it's, you know it comes off slightly pretentious because we've got a black and white film we've got it in an old school you know aspect ratio we've got two you know two uh actors one kind of a bit of an indie darling these days robert Patterson, although he's come you know he's making his comeback but at the time of this more so indie darling and then William Defoe's always sound. You know, he's always class. I mean,
0: yeah, literally, like this and, film was just. And I think this is a, it's a pirate
1: sounding William Defoe. Yeah, I, mean.
0: <laughs> I think this is probably his best performance for
1: me. But it's there's not a lot happening. You know, it's not there isn't massive set pieces. There isn't massive jump scares. There isn't massive no. things. If you know, if you went to see something like The Conjuring, you have a wealth of characters. You often have a soundtrack of the time, and then you often have a, a soundtrack, and you often have these little sprinklings of, um, you know, little set pieces to scare people before it all builds up to yeah. a massive thing. Usually, big CGI or something, and this film doesn't have any of that. No. And I think that's one of the fingers. I don't. I think that. I don't think this is something that you could stick on. At a party, if we had a couple of people, I'm not going to be like, Let's watch the lighthouse," you know, yeah, because no, I don't no. think
0: people oh, no. would it, like it. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of people that this is not going to be their yeah. film at all. They are just would be completely like, "What am I watching?" Like yeah. I am bored out of my mind for two hours. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's there's the one thing that wouldn't it's, get it at all. It's like an hour
1: forty, isn't it? So it's no, a lot. Yeah, it's,
0: like, it's not so funny. it's a
1: lot shorter than I expected it to be, and it's a. And it's a I think you know, compared to something like Midsummer. Or even the witch, I think, was longer. Um, yeah, you know, there isn't a lot of happening, and there's a lot of set pieces. So I yeah. think that a lot of a lot of the problem that people have is, for me, is they they're either not open minded enough. So within you know, with, particularly within horror, for instance, you get a lot of people who say stuff like, you know, a twenty four films are just shit. And just we'll just hate on them yeah as opposed to thinking like okay like there is more to horror than just like nightmare on Elm Street, <laughs> yeah. and some films that were made in the 80s you know there is a there is a wide thing and then i think there were just some people like you said who will just watch it and think what is this is this yeah. a drama is this a thriller what is this because if you think of thrillers you think for well for me i think of something like um i don't know um silence of the lambs or sixth sense or something like that you know
0: yeah something got some that, big twist coming Some a big got twist coming you know yeah it got characters interacting it's you know
1: but there's a little more l- dramatic yeah dramatic and there's a lot more cohesive cohesiveness within the story yeah whereas this i mean i've watched this two times i watched it when i got it and then i watched it the night after because the whole day i couldn't stop thinking about it and i just kept Speaking like, <laughs> like an 80s, sailor. Like William like, yeah, I kept calling my colleagues salty dogs. I kept saying <laughs> now is the time for gab and chatter and ye. Um, and I think like, yeah, I still don't quite get it because there is this whole thing of what's going on. Who's the, you know, who is the reliable narrator in this? What, you know, what the fuck is going on? I get maybe... Like maybe the first twenty minutes up until the first hallucination with the mermaid, maybe that is real, and then it starts going is What who, um, is what I'm watching? What's happening? You know? Yeah, yeah. Is and it all that's like hallucination?
0: Has it gone off ages ago? It's yeah, something gone completely crazy at some point. Um, but no, I, I like completely agree with what you're saying. It's a it is it's a hard one to lock down. Um, and I even remember like, so that really pisses me off with these kind of things is and I, I said it earlier, it's really hard to pin down what like horror is. And that's why I'd say it's hard not to say that this isn't a horror, but I could also understand why some people may say it's not a horror yeah. at the same time. But however, it does really piss me off when it had, um, I saw some people's, the starts of their review saying it like, uh, although it had been compared to like a horror, like the horror genre, it it exceeds the it ex- exceeds like the expectations of that genre it exceeds what that genre can do yeah but and that like really like it really annoys me when they say with the horror genre that it is like a slog. one note
1: yeah that annoys me like, as
0: well. because the thing that annoys me is um like if we think of a, a thriller or a drama or things like that i would say with quite often with thrillers or dramas We get the case of it's either it's either it's a really intellectual and well-made thriller or drama which kind of gives us a thing or it's something that's been done before and everyone sees it coming and we know and it's basically falls into it's either really good or really bad or it's in the middle where it's basically just like a crowd pleaser kind of one yeah but there's no kind of thing whereas i would say with horror and i'd even lump comedy into this they're the two genres that always get neglected oh yeah there's no awards barely ever for comedy or horror no even though i would say it's a lot harder to make a truly good comedy or horror film yeah than it is to make a drama about the true story of someone's life you know yeah, what i mean I to make people laugh is a hard thing to yeah do, you know? and to make someone truly scared is i'm not saying any genre like to make someone truly scared there is a thing with horror yes where we can make we can easily make your standard horror film but I'm talking about a truly great horror film where it's not just scary but it makes you think and it goes deeper than that Yeah, and it defies what you expect from a horror film that is not an easy thing to do no. especially when they find ones that balance where a general audience can enjoy it and a deeper level can Yeah enjoy it.
1: and I don't think I mean personally I don't I don't put too much stake into what the, into what reviews say yeah. about films. Um, yeah. But we do seem to have this habit. I mean, I'm going to use the latest Halloween kills as an example, because yeah. they're, you know um, they were reviews for it done by people who clearly haven't watched horror films or don't yeah, like horror don't films either. i mean one review literally said the original halloween was itself um a rip-off of the texas chainsaw massacre <laughs> and i'm like what <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know no so i don't <laughs> i i think like we shouldn't i ideally i don't think people
0: who don't like horror shouldn't be um reviewing horror you
1: know yeah That's no it's I mean. the
0: same thing people that don't get like yeah exactly with any genre there's certain people that aren't gonna like things. Like certain ones, and why are you the people that are in charge? I get, I get in a way that everyone's got to have have a certain view and a, a, an opinion about something. But if you know that you're someone who out and out just hates that genre, then why are you trying to be the one to review it? Yeah, um, I mean, that's it. Just does me. feel you're just not going to be the person to understand what the audience that want to read your review are actually going to want? Yeah, from that film.
1: Um, I think so. Um, I'm just going to pop up, pop over to the social media suite. Okay. for a little bit yeah um on. i mean i think you got some on the instagram didn't you um but over on on twitter um at cmth podcast um we, we often put up what the film we're going to be talking about is and then we'll you know we'll read out some of your thoughts on it um so the only one we had this week on twitter was um at we needed roads podcasts who you should definitely check out they release episodes on fridays um the UK based as well, shout out, um, and they said that the first watch, you know, they didn't really get it, uh, but the second watch it verges on genius for them, um, and I can I could see that. I think this is going to be one of the films that you watch, and I think similar to Midsummer, I think with with as these divisive films are, you either have an initial reaction to it where you hate it, you love it. Or you're unsure, and I know that I know that saying like, well, that's the only reactions you can have to a film. Yeah. <laughs> but then on the second watch is when it re- it will really strike and it will really settle in. Um, and that for me, you know, first one I loved it. Second one, it it just solidified it. And I would say like, this is of the more recent horror thriller films. This is probably my favorite. Up there with my one you know one of my favorites did we have any on the instagram at CMTH
0: podcast uh we instagram. did have um we had our friends over at the horror project podcast saying that they uh they loved it um and they were surprised by how much they loved this bonkers film
1: and they actually released they've, an episode they've done
0: an episode on, this. Episode on yeah. this as well so go and uh, check them out they also released their episodes on fridays yeah so go and check out the horror project podcast you can get them on all good streaming services yeah um so yeah i mean i mean this film is 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 pretty it's extremely quotable i mean it's hard not to for me it's hard not to love pretty much the william defoe in anything to yeah I, re- I barely ever don't love I don't know, or do Goblin. i mean like some of the things like sparkle like a sperm whale's pecker is <laughs> one of the things he says about getting those nails sucking them off until yeah. they sparkle like a sperm. Just just the way he goes for it is just like straight away, you just totally believe him as this old sea dog, and even
1: the even within the language that the characters use and this was written by um Robert Eggers and his brother Max Eggers um I think Max was the one who initially started working on it as he was trying to kind of um I think he was trying to do an adaptation of an of a unfinished um Allan uh, Poe
0: one, yeah. So also called yeah. the Lighthouse. I was going to say I, I had a look at that about the uh, that's quite interesting the um the Lighthouse because that was that was Poe's final ever piece of writing. Okay, and he died before he finished oh, it. Damn. So there's actually like although they said they were trying to adapt it, there's barely anything to adapt. It's yeah. literally like it's like written from the the diary of someone who's like new to this kind yeah. of position and things like that. So that part kind of plays into this film, obviously, with Robert Pattinson's character, uh, the isolation is kind of there that because they start talking about it. But it's like in diary form. And yeah. there's only actually four entries in the diary before, before uh, he died. died. Yeah. Okay. So that's how far it got. And it's not like long entries. It's like literally like <laughs> short paragraphs. Oh, wow. So it's there's there's nothing really to build on from there. So I can kind of see why they said it like stalled and stuff like that. Because i mean you haven't got if you're just trying to purely adapt to that what do you You do you have to make it up so they said we have to take in a completely different direction but we can use those little kind of tidbits as inspiration inspiration
1: um i mean it was it's brilliantly written like you said um william defoe has some amazing lines of light dog um and so does you know robert patterson they all do um but for me, there was an amazing thing that I you know I didn't quite notice until my second watch through. and that is the language difference between the two.: Yes, so um, William Defoe speaks very old-timey, you know he says ye a lot," and that kind of style. Oh, I, I love that, I scene. love that.
0: So it's like, <laughs> the trouble with ye, yeah, the trouble with ye." Yeah, and then uh, Brad Patterson comes around and goes, "No trouble with you." <laughs> yeah, the trouble with you. The trouble with you. Ye. <laughs> yeah,
1: and it's so, and it's just these simple things of how they say slightly different words shows that the two the two are worlds apart. You know, yeah. and it is these kind of odd bedfellows, and it's so good. Um, uh, we you know the whole where um where you know he's saying about yeah. You're fond of me, lobster. <laughs> I've seen oh, it, that. you know.
0: And I love that. I was literally, I was laughing at that scene. Creasing. Like literally. And, oh
1: my god. And he's all you know, he's almost kind of trying to bargain with Robert Patterson. And then he just explodes with
0: rage and he just goes, Hawk! Yeah. Triton, you know. That's and what that's goes, what led to my whole like you know what I said about the roommate and things like that. That's just literally what put it in my head. It's like, this is like two roommates fighting over, like, you like my food, don't you? You like my food? <laughs> yeah. So why you eat my food? You make you clean my food like that kind of yeah. thing. and he
1: and he goes on this explosive rant about yeah. how he's got to sh- you know strike down the with the power of Neptune, god of the sea. Oh yeah, and it's just this. That is the there was this point where I went from this funny scene because they say what 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 to each <laughs> other, and I was like laughing a little bit, and I was like, oh fuck, like, i don't want to fuck with this dude, and the whole time Defoe was saying it, he's not blinking. Because yeah. his eyes wide open, he looks fucking wild, and you can, com- and you compare that to the first shot of them when they come in, and yeah. even I mean Defoe's got a beard, and he's got longer hair, but he looks, he still looks relatively well kept, and then patterson has got the little mustache, but as he's gone on, that's looking you know bigger, the the stubble's growing, yeah. and you just see these changes, and then one of the funniest things
0: after is that like
1: Defoe gives this massive rant. And then Patson goes,
0: "Okay, I like your food." <laughs> you know, just crazy. Stuff. Oh, at the end of it, yeah. After shouting at each other, yeah, that's.
1: <laughs> and it's these weird moments that we get in this film, and I feel, and it I is. can see that why that would be a divisive point because it almost doesn't follow a straight narrative, you know yeah. of how people would react to each other maybe it has a lot the relationship itself is, has so many strange layers yeah and there's so many weird stuff that i
0: happens. think there's a bit of a yeah there is a bit that comes down to kind of the hierarchy of who they are and what they've got in this position and yeah who they are as men kind of thing and i think at the same time we've also got what you said about like triton and stuff there's a lot of greek Mythology based stuff, in this yeah, film, there is of the kind of the gods and the tritons, and I think that does play a big part of like this film. Um, which, yeah, uh, the um, I was just thinking of uh, <laughs> well, one thing was that when we were talking about those crazy scenes was just the whole scene where like Robert Patterson's uh, where he, he's uh, masturbating but basically sad masturbating. Where he like bursts into like he's in like the, the garage and that's part of when we get some of those flashes and stuff. And it's of that all to the different things. Yeah. He's thinking of oh, the And it's the statue, and it's when he breaks the mermaid yeah. statue and but he's just like in this sad like frustration of he doesn't know where to go. I think this is following after he's attempted to he did attempt to kill the yeah, well, foe's character with the blade when, a when a he was trying to break into the lighthouse. Was, yeah. And it broke off. The tool he was using broke off into turned in almost like knife like, so he puts it against his throat.
1: And I think the 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 strange thing is that I'm I, I'm sure that scrimshaws, which is what they call the you know the little carvings, um, and they're usually made out of stuff like ivory, I think. Um, but I believe they're supposed to be like a, a charm for for good luck or something like that, um, yeah. Or maybe something to to keep themselves busy. But there's definitely some kind of mythology behind it, and I could tell that when he broke it. It just seemed to be like a bad move, you know. It was like breaking a mirror or something like that, or yeah, it felt it felt a bit like, um, you know, when the when characters are going to do a Ouija board or something, and you're like, you should, don't do this. You know, it's not going to end well. You know, it, when he broke it, I was like, fuck, you That feels like he's almost sealing his fate in some strange way. You know, he's broken this symbol of good luck and this
0: weird thing. Yeah, um, yeah, well, no, I know what you mean, because it feels, and this is also when it's followed by that really straight, and I loved this shot. Um, and it, it does say it on the description here but who it is, but this is what I'm talking about with the Greek gods and things like that, the Proteus. Yeah. Um, I'll explain Proteus in a second, but we have that scene where uh, Pattinson has a nightmare after that kind of is broken, that kind of thing. It seems like St. else kind of breaks and it gets even drearier from that point. And we have a scene where uh, Patterson sees a lying down body on top of the lighthouse, on the you know, round the top of it. Yeah. And he turns him, it turns to be him. And then as he turns around, there's naked and William Defer, Defer just hanging on what like. all the ladies want to see. Yeah. Um, and he uh, literally grabs hold on the shoulder, and you get this very Greek god style shot where the yeah. eyes shine down like the eyes of the lighthouse literally shining directly into Pattinson's eyes yeah. and it's like as if he's absorbing all of the, like the knowledge that he has of what he should or should not be doing yes, right really now weird. but the shot looks so cool it looks awesome like Defoe and Defoe suddenly looks goes from like the front looking a bit like more flabby to then suddenly looking a bit more muscular yeah. and feeling like just he looks so different and um so yeah, well, I think it's probably a good time to say so. Um, so one of the the main so one of the main theories that I heard about this film, and one of the things that I believe that Robert Eggers said that a large part of it was a mythology thing, but he didn't want to go into the whole Lovecraftian mythology. Yeah. So we don't get, although we mentioned about the tentacled monster stuff, we never get like it seems like a tease that it's going to go all madness at the end. It kind of doesn't, does it? But it never goes to that point. Um, and we've got this kind of so what we've kind of got is that like. Eggers same with the witch everyone says that one thing he says about both is that they seem like really realistic well-made period pieces that kind of really play into this world and um so and he researches them like really deep into themes and he likes to kind of rebuild and recraft characters around like real characters or real things like that and with this one we've got our sea myths and our legends which are kind of brought up all the time like you said earlier like Triton and the gods in the sea and they're angry at us and um and we've got with this one uh we've got um the greek mythology that i mentioned before kind of playing out and proteus who we just said and that that shot of william defoe like that character is like a piece of art yeah of proteus the god and proteus uh is the god uh is well. he was one of what he was one of myths first old men of the sea okay so he's like the a primordial keeper of knowledge and a friend to sea beasts oh nice okay so that would probably include being sea birds yeah <laughs> <laughs> um that knew everything there is to know but hated sharing that knowledge so he knows everything but hates sharing it which is also kind of links again the character himself to character. Is very like he's not He's not talkative about himself that often unless a lot of drunk has been spooned and he barely ever reveals anything about himself. He will talk and talk and talk, but he'll talk in riddles and rhyme and sea myths and shanty tales and things like this, which like I could you could probably listen to William Defoe just stare into your eyes and tell you that she's shanty. (laughs) That'd (laughs) be awesome. Um but yes, uh so he's like this prickly old like well, like he's that like prickly old shit, he is. Yeah, you know what I mean. And he's like, um so he is almost the embodiment of this Proteus character, and within Greek Greek mythology, um, so because he's like, kind of like this Proteus character with all the knowledge standing at the top of like Mount Olympus, like with all this knowledge within the lighthouse and not revealing any of it really to Robert persons who's almost always down below the chores the thing he's in charge of keeping yeah. everything going but he never gets to mount that top of that kingdom of God kind of yeah thing. um and then we've got um uh yeah so what I, uh, so Ephraim Robert Pattinson's character. As I've written it here, this is where I've thrown in random names. Yeah, I'm confused. Like, why is this name here? Um, so yeah, that's the cold glowing eyes is part of that kind of thing. But it kind of reveals a lot about what the characters are to each other. Because Prometheus would be the Ephraim character. Or yeah, the Patterson character because um, he was like a, a giver but a trickster of titan and prometheus was famously like he stole fire from the gods and sparking humans, intelligence yeah. yeah and intelligent life into humanity and uh zeus um well noted asshole yeah, <laughs> oh, like famous. he kind of um he ordered prometheus chained to a rock where eagles would arrive every day to pick out the titan's organs yeah which as we'll talk in a second is a major part of the plays in but it's also about the fact that proteus would tell him to not go beyond his means yeah prometheus he would say don't go beyond you don't need to go where you need that's why he's telling them with the with the lighthouse and being in the the actual lighthouse at the top don't go beyond your means you don't need to go up that mountain of you know like olympus you don't need to enter that or else it will mean terrible things for you yeah like the light is mine like he says earlier in the film, the light is mine, yeah, not yours. You don't need to go up there. You don't need to worry about that. And it's almost as if his last one drove himself mad trying to get the power, like the power yeah. of a god kind of thing. So I kind of, when I heard that, like kind of theory, I was like, I like that idea. I yeah. like the way it kind of plays out. It seems to work with the characters, and it works from where we kind of go, which is Defoe's character still continuing to keep that from him. Even though he's trying harder and harder to get in there, we see Patterson's character watching it at night. Yeah, like he'll just stare up at it to see what it is. And we know Defoe's character is basically like butt naked, just staring just, like, into the light. Like, like we don't know, like yeah. we don't know what they're seeing though, do we? No, um, we don't. Yeah, we don't see what is happening. We just kind of see, but these two characters playing up against each other, like the all, like the all knowing and the one who knows nothing yet kind of seem to have quite a nice kind of semblance from where we go towards the end of the film. Yeah. Which, well, let's go into the end. Uh, let's kind of talk about the end a little bit, I think.
1: Yeah, well, that's when, um, you know, the alcohol ones out. they start drinking turpentine and honey, which was so funny, <laughs> which was an awesome scene. Um, and the storm worsens and starts flooding the cottage. Um, and that's when um, Ephraim you know, Howard, finds the the book, um, the logbook, and that's when it says that, you know, he's a drunkard and, you know, he's lazy and he should he should be sacked without pay, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then a scrap happens, um, and Ephraim, um, you know, he starts beating the shit out of Wake, doesn't he? Talk oh, yeah. Defoe's character. And as he's beating him, he we kind of go between these shots of, like, like... Um, the the, the the actual real the real Ephraim, this kind of small b- blonde lad, the mermaid that um, he was like, seen earlier rutting, yeah, and then <laughs> Defoe with these tentacles and almost as this
0: monstrous beast. Kind yeah, of character. he looks like his own kind of mythological beast, kind of thing. Like, it's quite yeah. cool. he looks awesome. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> Defoe on full on like screaming mad Defoe mode. Like yeah, he awesome. just like his eyes are like huge and he's a script and he's got these weird like parts of his body and like that little almost crown like part sticking yeah. out the top of his head it's and
1: awesome it's so weird it's such a cool and show. then he's kind of like um you know winslow you're killing me yeah. and then he starts um and then this is where this this is kind of weird and this is where yeah again i think more of this kind of homoeroticism and kind of sexual domination almost comes in because then he you know he so he beats defoe into submission and then he you know puts a rope around him and starts
0: making him walk and it's like a dog like a dog oh, yeah. doesn't
1: it and it's this kind of weird thing yeah that power. was a
0: weird yeah a power move like he's now i'm in control
1: now. i'm in control and you're going to be submissive to me um,
0: yeah
1: and it, yeah it's just this very strange shift in power um and then he starts burying him alive and
0: you oh know, yeah, he goes well, on while and he's still talking and it's going in his mouth, and, and that
1: must have been so hard to shoot. Fair play to Defoe, man. Yeah, that, was, that must have
0: been. I, I wonder because I, I know he's a very committed, so I do wonder. I wonder whether it was actually mud or whether they made something simple. You know, like when I've I've seen like. In films they use like like oreo cookies yeah but mulch them down into like things so it's not actually like mud and stuff you're getting like cookie dust yeah but <laughs> eating it. It, yeah but it's still better than like <laughs> eating all the mud like yeah <laughs> but yeah it, it really like it's it's interesting it also shows the kind of it shows a little bit of the darkness and kind of like patterson's character yeah because um, we know that
1: he was i don't think that i don't know if he was involved in the original ephraim's
0: death or not he was that's def- that's what i got a kind of feeling yeah. from because like i said before like the first shot we ever get with the real ephraim was him like as if approaching from behind yeah kind of thing
1: and now he was already dead and then yeah. we get
0: like a strangling and obviously then he's seeing ephraim as if he's str- like strangling or punching or things like that yeah and he just kind of made me think like did he kill f it's a did he finish him off yeah. so that he could take his life because he said how hard it was for someone like him to be able to get any kind of
1: employment with, like stuff. who yeah.
0: he was and what his name was and feel like to get any employment so it kind of makes you wonder did you just take someone who you knew could get employment and name? then
1: whack him? yeah
0: yeah well whack him is dead <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um, yeah but that um, scene in the grave is is so cool
1: and yeah again we get another defoe monologue where he's you know where he's actually Kind of cursing um, him and kind of yeah. wishing him this Promethean fate, which is obviously to be powerless as the seagulls and as the sea beasts eat his, his organs. Um, and then he, you know, he take, he, we think that Defoe's dead, doesn't he? Yeah. And then he takes the lantern keys and then Defoe comes back in with an axe, which is
0: awesome. Um, <laughs> I just love the idea of Defoe in the kitchen, coming him out. Yeah. yeah. The axe straight into his arm. Yeah. Patterson, this is but this is also why it seems like he's in some kind of mad rage or something. Yeah. Because he doesn't really react to an axe much in his arm. He's kind of just, ah, oh, son of a bitch. Like kind of like it kind of just throws it off and then it's like straight into like punch, smack him down onto the ground. Take the axe. And then Dilsen. take that axe and then defoe's gone <laughs> yeah like a nice blood splatter on this like on his face i think we get as it yeah, like, yeah, goes big, into it. Yeah, big blood splatter and yeah. then he he goes to the lantern room you know like, those spirals yeah and the
1: Fresnel lens opens doesn't it which is yeah. interesting and then he starts um kind of looking at it and he starts you know screaming and laughing Freaking and, in, and yeah. getting really freaked out by by what he's seeing and it's just a shot of robert patterson covered in blood brightly lit you know as he's laughing and screaming and it's meant it's just it's very strange because you don't it
0: it, well yeah I mean it yeah it's really weird because well it's a very weird scene and this is this is definitely one of those ones where it's like uh you're wondering if you're gonna see and you never do and you're also thinking in your head like is this going to be a bit like is this going to be a big reveal or is this going to tell us anything but I mean, I pretty much was expecting this to be like the final, final shot, to be honest. I was expecting him just to, almost the ending to be him looking to the light. It's that kind of film that I expected just to see, like almost he looks into it and that was the end of the film kind of thing. Yeah, Um, But he goes through this craziness and um, we don't know what he's seeing. So some people could interpret as he's seeing all of these, you know, like we said before, some kind of Lovecraftian world or some other world or some godlike creature or something like that. And then some people could also interpret it as more that this is like he finally got to where he wanted to be and it turns out that it was nothing more than he believed and this is him just breaking down into madness in front of our eyes. Yeah. Um, I was much more for the second one and also the whole thing I said about the gods and stuff where like, um, but then with the whole thing I said about the gods and stuff where William Defoe at one point is even warning him against knowing what he shouldn't know and things like that. I think that that's whole like he's got what he asked for, but he, it's more than his body could even take. That's
1: what I got. I got it's it was, more than he should know. Yeah, that's my
0: interpretation of it. Is it that?
1: Is that? It's more than he 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 should know, and it's more. It almost in a very Lovecraftian theme. It's more than he can comprehend. Yeah, you know, and that's what causes the breakdown because he's he's finally seen it yeah and he just can't comprehend it. he can't understand and it. completely
0: it. just destroys him in his mind and his mind breaks down which i think is shown quite nicely by him dropping and literally going down a spiral of yes yeah. basically yeah you know he literally we get a quite brutal scene where he drops and his his leg breaks yeah um and he falls backwards down that spiral set and we just hear every thud as yeah going down and You're almost again, this is this is like where I'm almost expecting in the film, and I was okay, that's not the end. Then it's just gonna end on this long because it pauses on the spiral and I was like, Oh, that's why I expected to cut to black. And then we get an unexpected, like not what I was expected to see, almost as if Pattinson's character has dragged himself outside with his broken but all of his clothes and stuff are gone, so he's literally naked and so it's almost as if like it's like how would he get into that position, like to be like that with his body and stuff? And we have seagulls literally getting their revenge, <laughs> Eating him, but yeah, him. having a good scratch, his, his, his stomach is basically like the layer of skin has been removed because yeah. his guts are just open and like, and he's bleeding and screaming, kind of not like full on screen, but he's alive while he's yeah. being eaten alive. And we see more and more this like hundreds of seagulls coming in the distance as he's yeah. getting closer and closer. Um, it's which, and then it just ends doesn't it yeah and it, even... and it is that like promethean fate that i mentioned before that yeah. he is, like prometheus getting his guts ripped out in this kind of weird and those greek god ones are always weird because they're always in this kind of shot of like violent but beautiful yeah weirdly kind of sexual at the same time yeah and it's all their kind of thing and this kind of weird like ending for him Yes, which if he did crawl himself out of that house, then he should have stayed dying in the house.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. But... but
0: we don't know how he got there. We don't know what happened. But as I said, like, um well, we don't it's know. A, it's him. a really, it's a really cool shot, and yes, that's it's awesome. the most horrific thing we see in the film. Yeah, like, that shot of his guts literally being pulled by the seagull out of his stomach yeah. and um it, it's definitely like interesting in that way and as i said it, like for me i could only take like the only one that's really worked for me is that kind of god explanation that these are the gods that we're playing with kind of thing oh. the only one that kind of makes sense for me only because i also know that eggers has mentioned about greek like mythology in his like interviews and stuff so it yeah. seems like there's a match there kind of thing maybe i but still don't kind of know it could be you know uh, even though he probably has an explanation no one has explained properly kind of thing. And I, they work because these films work better when you're just trying to take your own interpretation of it, you know. that Um the, I read another one where it was like because it's the same leg that gets broken but this one didn't seem nearly as strong that it's basically that they're both two versions of the same person. Yeah. At I different see, points in time. I heard that where line. the whole Thomas and Thomas thing comes in and that yeah. the same leg that he lost is the same leg that pop pass and breaks and things. Like yeah. That. All these kind of things where I was just like, yeah, there's loads of theories out there, which is, you know, what good kind of film like this kind of makes people question everything and what was real. But yeah, again, um, I think that is where
1: part of the divisiveness comes from. Oh,
0: definitely.
1: Um, and I don't think there's people want answers, people want answers, but Not only that, but when you get a twist ending or you get an ending that's kind of left up to interpretation, you usually get, um, you know, the rest of the story up to that point is, you know, is relatively, you know, well, well paced and cohesive and you and what it's what the, the twist ending is, it's to it make you watch the film and think, okay, you know, what's going to happen for the, you know, what can I think, or what can I figure out what happened by watching the film and piecing together things? Yeah. You know, it's kind of, it's like the end of Inception where, you know, he spins the thing and it's like, is he asleep or is he not? But the problem with it is that the thing that with the lighthouse that could be divisive is about, you know, after the storm, is then and even slightly before then we start to lose and we start to question what is happening and the cohesiveness of the story intentionally kind of goes then so when it gets to the end you don't know what's happening you don't know if this has even happened yeah you don't know and it's hard and i think because of that whole way in which the story kind of plays out and the lack of cohesiveness i think that's one of the you know one of the divisiveness in the films
0: yeah i think that would definitely i mean we know that that would divide and that would get rid of a lot of audience just based on that because yeah. people hate not having people like clean cut free act structure films yeah. and when some people don't get that they really just hate it and i'd say it's probably a lot more people than most like there's only a certain like there's a certain amount but probably it's more it's more if you were going like a half and a half of things, it would probably be the lower amount of the ones that like that kind of thing and more people prefer a clear cut straight ending. Yeah, This film doesn't give it to you, but it's what kind of makes it more interesting that you're in this weird hallucinatory fever dream. And this is what the part of the film that makes me, if we didn't have loads of that nightmare sequence and that hallucinatory, then I'd be here saying this is not a horror film. Yeah. Even with graphic cuts of someone dying, but people die in other people films, in you know films, what I mean? Yeah. Um that final shot, yes, is quite a horrific scene. But if it wasn't for this constant, like not even just the isolation makes it a horror film, but it's that nightmarish I don't know what's going on that quest makes you question psychologically what yeah. you know and what the characters know. That's where it falls into our nice psychological kind of horror realm. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's got the shining... It's definitely got the shining as, like, that counterpoint of, like, interesting, slow-build kind of films where not yeah. a lot really happens, but that doesn't mean it's not entertaining at the same time. Yeah, and that's definitely. why it was so hard for us to kind of describe this film at the same time because there are so many scenes where it's like, we'd just be describing static shots to you, but that doesn't mean those static shots aren't interesting yeah. shots. It's like there's, there's, there's layers to this film um, that I think you need to see and I've only seen it once but I would watch it again to see like more of it and I I could already tell I could I like could, I could find more things of, such as our last divisive film when I rewatched it again although I still thought it was midsummer was a fairly good film um I felt like I'd still taken much of what I'd kind of decided on it like yeah. I felt like I still kind of saw where it was it was a bit more obvious in some ways whereas this film is much more I think the ambiguity is um, big, ambiguity yeah, is think, done yeah. much better in this film than I felt that it was where they it, it means felt a bit more like it was trying to be like, oh, isn't that clever? And I was like, well, well I'm kind of questioning on that because I don't yeah. think it is as clever. <laughs> you know, that's where it kind of split me. Whereas like when we said earlier, pretentious with this film. But I don't feel like it is because I no. feel like it's not trying to be It's not trying to be more than it is. It's trying to tell a simple tale. It's not trying to be like a layer on a layer, like, it's not trying to subvert expectations, I don't think, really. I think
1: pretentiousness is a strange thing. It is, yeah. I mean, he, you know, yeah, he's made a film that's kind of like a 1930s, 1940s film. Like, some people would say that's pretentious, but because so... of going back and it's but it's a stylistic certain... choice. But it's a style, yeah. Not it... every film is going to be exactly the same. No, and not and every it, film has should be exactly the same. You know.
0: Yeah, and as we said with A twenty four, we said it with ariasta We said that it's a case of like an we're getting like more like aute- auteurs. Yeah. Here, where it's people with a singular vision, it's their ideas, it's their most of the time, it's their written by, directed by, yeah, everything they're involved in every stage of it it's purely their ideas yeah and that's why it's hard hard to say that it's not what they kind of wanted but that doesn't always mean it works perfectly but i'd say you know eggers has done a pretty solid job yeah i love this you know he's done a pretty and the the casting choices are very well made yeah you know they work perfectly balanced off of each other um and yeah and patterson did a a, a, a good job. If this is what got him, I understand why he got it off of this because he's got a deep broodingness about him that I'm yeah. sure will work. And uh, for some people, I'm sure that will make him more excited <laughs> for where he's going next, kind of thing. Hopefully, yeah. Um, Have you got anything else to add? No, I think I'm. Yeah. I think I'm, i have I'm done with the lighthouse for now. <laughs> no, beautiful.
1: So I guess we are going to leave the island now. Our shift at the lighthouse is over. <laughs> now is the time for gab and chatter. Um, and as always, um, if you've enjoyed the show, hit the subscribe button and leave us a lovely review. Um, you can find us. Let us know your thoughts on the lighthouse. If it's a divisive film for you, if you love it, if you hate it, uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. At CMTH Podcast, and we will see you next week for another episode. Uh, goodbye.